Hello, Bill Lytell with some wisdom for your walk. An enormous subject in the Bible is suffering, personal suffering, sufferings that we may do. And I have dealt with this already in another podcast, but I won't take another angle on it because it's worthy of a couple applications. Uh, You and I are going to suffer in this life. Now, not everybody suffers the same. No two snowflakes are the same. Uh, and no two people get the same treatment by God. But we all are treated with equity and justice and obviously uh, wrapped in the love of God and his desire for us to do the very best we should do or could do in this life. I had someone recently talk to me on the phone and say, God's not mean like you make him out to be. And I said, what do you mean I make him out to be mean? Well, you make him out like he brings suffering in your life and causes you to suffer. He says, I believe Satan does all that. And I don't believe God does any of that. And I said, well, let's, let's take it down to the simplest denominator. God gives permission or nothing happens to me at all. Now, we know that from the book of Job. You wrote, read the book of Job. If you haven't, read the first two chapters of the book of Job. And you know that God allowed every bit of that. There was, In fact, he told Satan when, how far, how long, pretty much, you know, everything about it. We also know Paul and the apostles and the way they suffered, and they were his chosen. Every one of them died a martyr but one. We know from Fox's Book of Martyrs, John Fox wrote a book called the Fox's Book of Martyrs, and it's replete through the centuries of of real-life testimonies of born-again Christians that were slain, burned at the stake, you know, impaled, and the various things for the cause of Christ. Uh, this, this, let, me, let me start with a few verses for you. Philippians one twenty nine, For unto you it is given, that means it's a gift, in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Acts chapter 9, verse 16, Jesus' words about Paul the Apostle, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, I don't think if we did any more verses... And we were going to, but if we didn't do any more verses, it would be clear that God or Christ is the one giving permission for uh, and authority for personal suffering. First Peter, and in both the books of First Second Peter deal with suffering in the Christian life. First Peter three seventeen says, "For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well doing than for evil doing." Again, Peter giving credit to God there. Not saying, you don't hear Satan's name brought up, that he's responsible for all this stuff. That's giving him too much credit. Uh, He may do them. He may be a messenger of Satan, as Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, to buffet him. But he's just a messenger boy. Uh, He just does what God wants him to do or allows him to do, if I may say it that way. Philippians 3.10, Paul's wish for life, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So Paul says, look, one of the major goals in my life is to suffer like Christ suffered. Well, are you kidding me? I mean, suffer like, you know, we're talking about taking the sin of the world on him. We're talking about being mocked. We're talking about being being scourged. We're talking about him being shamed publicly. He says, that's what I want. I want the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, I will say this, few be the Christians that are mature enough to understand the beauty of that, the fellowship of his sufferings. I mean, I don't like to suffer. I'm not a masochist. I don't like to have bad things happen to me. 
but I like the good things the sufferings bring to me spiritually. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 reveals something to us. It says, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. If Jesus was made better, perfected, through sufferings, how much more us? If Jesus was made a better high priest, and I think that's where that's going in Hebrews, if Jesus was made a better intercessor, a better understanding high priest of our infirmities, my brother, sister, how much more we are made better by sufferings, or we are made more compassionate by sufferings, or we are made more understanding by sufferings. So, 1 Peter 4.13 says, But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory may be revealed, ye will be glad with all, also with exceeding joy. So, and the formula is kind of like this. The depth of the sufferings equals the height of the joy. The deeper you go in sufferings for Christ and, and have a good spirit and don't get bitter and take it for, as from God, embrace it as it were, the higher the joy you're going to get, the higher the uh, rejoicing you're going to have when God does his work through those sufferings. My last passage is Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 17. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but also much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And this is a key verse, verse 13 in Philippians chapter 2. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Bottom line. So what should be our reaction? Do all things, verse 14, without murmurings and disputings. Look, take it as from God. Why? That you may be blameless, verse 15, and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. I think what Paul had, a, and of course, you know, the Holy Spirit had taught him, and maybe, maybe the most, it's been, he's been, it's been said maybe Paul's the best Christian ever lived. I don't know. He wouldn't say that. He'd say he was the chief of sinners, unworthy of the least of favors, less than the least of all Gentiles. That's what he said about himself. And that's the way humble people are. Uh, proud people think they're humble. Humble people think they're proud. And so here we go. We have this passage in Philippians where maybe it, it, it opens a door and let's just look into the purpose behind what's going on in our life. Look, God's working in you. God's working in you, born-again Christian. Both to will and to do his good pleasure. You say, he don't care about me. He, I'm just a nobody. There are no nobodies in the body of Christ. We're all We're all selected. Uh, select, uh, honorable, uh, born from above people. We're sinners, of course, wicked, vile, unworthy of the least of his favor. But when he bursts you into the family of God, you got a new position, brother. you got a new position in Christ, and you're his child. And now Hebrews 12 takes place where he, he uh, chastises us like a father loves his only son. He chastises him so he'll be a better boy. 
And, and brother, I'm thank God when he chastises me, he makes me a better boy, a better servant, a better child, a better Christian. I, I rejoice. Now, I don't like suffering in the midst of it. It's grievous. It's grievous. But when I get through it and out the other side, I'm a better person for it. I can just tell you straight up and down. Here's the better person, deeper, deeper, wider, more understanding, more compassionate, more like Christ. Well, I hope this helps you. This is, again, wisdom for your walk. Why is the suffering come in a Christian's life? May God help us all as we walk with him.